Hello, fellow science fiction and or fiction enthusiasts. Welcome to the Ripples in Space podcast. I'm John Davis. I'm Kate Reagan. And we're here once again with another piece of flash fiction for you on this lovely Sunday afternoon, morning, evening, wherever you are in the world. It probably depends. But uh, for us, <laughs> it's afternoon, afternoon morning. Afternoon morning. Afternoon. Af- brunch? Yes, or dinner. <laughs> But uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We've uh, we've gotten quite a few uh, listens on our previous podcast, so that's fun. Yeah, we were looking at the stats, so thank you very much for everyone who's listened in, and we hope you continue to do so. And we're getting quite a few submissions for the, the spring 2019 period, so that's cool, and we'll have those up hopefully sometime in May, depending on how long it takes us to, uh, to sort through the slush pile. No, I wouldn't call it a slush pile, but like a, a goodie pile. Yes, <laughs> full of lots of, of insightful little trinkets of the of otherworldly happenings. <laughs> anyway, um, today we have a story from Bruce LaRue. Bruce LaRue. And uh, Kate will be reading it. Um, let's, uh, let's listen to this story. It's called Ashgar the Skywatcher. Bruce LaRue is an aspiring young in geologic terms, writer trapped in a factory worker's body. Ashkar the Skywatcher by Bruce LaRue Post-Pleistocene Europe was part of the prehistoric world that saw many changes in a relatively short span of time, ranging from subtle to quite literally earth-shattering. As glaciers melted and receded, Many cave persons were forced to move farther inland because of the rising water levels in the oceans, rivers, and lakes. Not only were there geological and climate changes, but fundamental changes to human beings as well. As more cave persons learned to harness fire, more of them began to cook their food. This resulted in an increase in brain development. The tribe to which Ashkar belonged inhabited a section of the northeastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea. His tribe consisted of about 20 cave persons at any given time, usually 12 or so adult males, 6 or so adult females, and maybe 2 or 3 children. Their tribe was a conglomerate made up of 3 separate families, and inbreeding was discouraged. The more advanced groups of cave persons had determined that inbreeding often left to births of defective children. Some of the less advanced tribes had not yet made the connection, likely a factor in their ultimate extinctions. Ashkar was fascinated by things in the sky. As a youth, he would often lie on the ground and watch the movements of the clouds, even as the other boys wrestled or played with frogs prior to consuming them. Nights were particularly exciting as the evening sky became Ashkar's playground. While the rest of his tribe mates and cave persons in general showed little interest in anything in the sky except birds, food, Ashkar could not get enough of all things celestial. He ached to know more about the tiny specks that overwhelmed the sky on a cloudless night. What were they? How far away were they? He noticed that the smaller dots remained in the same place relative to each other, while the larger ones appeared in different parts of the sky from night to night. The largest object in his overhead tapestry intrigued him the most. It resembled the sun, but gave off no heat and, more curiously, changed shape ever so slightly each time it reappeared on the eastern horizon. 
Ashkar had been alive about 15 seasons when he witnessed his first lunar eclipse. Already obsessed with celestial phenomena, this event literally changed his life and would influence the lives of his progeny for many generations to come. As he stood alone gazing into the post-Pleistocene heavens, something stirred within him. A wave came over him, his marrow tingled, and he underwent a physical change, subtle yet significant. So profound was Ashkar's wonder of this event that it resulted in a chemical reaction throughout the fiber of his being, altering the genetic code of his DNA. As one might add or delete data on a hard drive, so the marvel and awe of this thing that could not be explained was etched into Ashkar's essence forever. From that day forward, Ashkar not only continued to study the heavens, but bit by bit, he acquired knowledge and comprehension far beyond that of any other cave person on the planet at the time. Moreover, the change in his genetic makeup was passed on to his children, grandchildren, and so on far into the future. His passion for astronomy could not manifest itself constantly, but would rise up from latency every few generations. Indeed, two of his descendants, Copernicus and Galileo, armed with the latest tools and instruments, will go on to change humanity's understanding of the universe. One of Ashkar's most remarkable theories was literally clouded by cruel fate. Based on years of study, he surmised that the world was round, a radical view at that time. To demonstrate his conclusions, he fashioned a bit of clay into a ball about the size of a small melon. Then, using his fingernail, he incised an equator around the ball. He then embedded an olive pit, about an inch above the incision, and set it in the sun to dry. The next day, he gathered the other elders to give his presentation. He pointed to himself, then to the elders, then to their surroundings, and finally indicated the olive pit. He held the ball up with the pit away from the sun, pretending to be asleep. As he rotated the ball, at the moment that dawn's early light should have graced the pit, the sun went behind a cloud. The reaction of the elders was mixed, a mixture of ridicule and scornful derision. Such are the vagaries of enlightenment. The more time one spends watching the sky, the more likely one is to observe strange, unexplainable phenomena. What must have passed through Ashkar's mind when he witnessed a meteor shower? Why were some clouds white and others dark? What was lightning made of, and how does it happen? The dark clouds often produced rain, but how? These, and many other questions, prodded Ashkar's ever-expanding consciousness, relegated to a place wherein reside all things to be discovered later. It was late one afternoon when Ashkar observed an event that would occupy its own special place in his psyche for the rest of his days. Kneeling at the bank of a small creek, Ashkar cupped his hands to scoop some water to drink. A droning, buzzing sound caused him to freeze mid-sip. There must be a giant beehive or hornet nest nearby, he thought. Slowly turning his head, he realized the sound was coming from up in the sky. Suddenly, five large birds emerged out of the large cloud. Their wings never moved, yet they moved through the air at a steady pace in a formation similar to geese. Ashkar watched curiously as the five buzzing birds disappeared into another bank of clouds, listening intently until the noise faded into the distance. What Ashkar could not hear was the pilot in the cockpit looking down as he passed over the hominin looking upwards. 
Everything's wrong. Ashkar the Sky Watcher. So thank you, Bruce, for that really fun piece. You know, the thing that I think I liked a lot about it, liked a lot about it, was it was very reminiscent of Planet of the Apes in the sense that it, is it a time warp? You know, do we have present day technology end up in past a past period? But uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. What do you think, John? I think that if I liked the whole his descendants were also Skywatchers, and I think if it had continued on, I would have really wanted the person in the jet to have been a descendant of him, and that's why he decided Ooh. to fly. I don't know if that you know was ever in the thought process, but that's just... That would have been cool. Yeah, I would have liked that. But yeah, I definitely had a, a Planet of the Apes vibe, or a, you know, there's all this time setting up what's going on and what's going through these minds, and we have this individual, and then all of a sudden, like, his whole world changes, so... And also, he changes. Yeah, it's definitely, like, it'd be cool to see how, where this story could go. Yeah. It's... At first, when they were talking about the, the lunar eclipse and how he was undergoing a change, at first I thought, I was like, is he going to turn into a werewolf? <laughs> but I was like, well, no, that would have been the opposite. Yeah. You need a full moon for that. Exactly. But there's definitely, you know some surrealism going on in here yeah. like reality is not what we think of it as in our world so that was kind of fun the rules can be bent um so yeah um we love science fiction send it to us you might hear it on this podcast uh you can send us your pieces through submittable we've got our spring 2019 like we mentioned at the beginning that period is open and we are looking for stories um, we'll hope to publish in may and then we're looking for your flash fiction pieces for our podcast. And we are still looking for a pilot episode or a beginner story, if you will, for our Unending Tales from the Void, which we would like to launch in a new podcast. And so if you've got a, a piece, a little science fiction story that you want to share with us that you don't mind people tagging on to and continuing to write the story, then we would love to read it. So send that in. And as always, follow us on our social media. We have a Facebook and we have an Instagram. We don't tweet. We're not tweeters yet. Not quite yet. Yeah. I don't think I've ever tweeted in my life. But I don't know. Maybe I should check out Twitter. I heard somewhere that only like old people now use social media. So <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what young people are using. So I don't know. Uh, they're <laughs> just using it to look at memes, I think, since uh, what, was, what was the one thing that got shut down not long ago? Oh, I don't what, know. What was the thing called everybody was on? Oh, I can't think of that thing. What, Vine? No, not Vine. The The one that was like a big, huge blog. The thing that was like Pinterest, but it wasn't Pinterest. Tumblr didn't get shut Tumblr. down. Tumblr! They just changed the rules. Oh, I thought it got shut down. No. Oh, goes to show you how much I'm on social media, guys. Yes, we we definitely <laughs> prefer books and, and paper and writing and, and literature. Star Wars. <laughs> but, um... Thank you all for continuing to follow us on this journey and to listen in, and we will see you next Sunday. Uh, from all of us here at Ripples in Space, thank you and cheers from the void. Bye, everyone. <laughs>